With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Good News with Angie Austin. Now, with the good news, here's Angie. Hey there, friend. Angie Austin and Jim Stovall with the good news talking about his weekly winner's winner's wisdom column, Freedom and Boundaries, this week. Hey, Jim. Hey, it is always great to be with you. Great to be with you. We've got so much, so many sports. Sometimes I send you pictures of my kids. They, my daughter's a junior, and she went to um, um, a Christian small Christian university this weekend. And she said they st- that the coach stopped the game because it was a she was playing with the actual team. Uh, she stopped the game to come over and high five my daughter because you know she's very powerful. So when she does a kill, it's hard to stop the ball, you know, and uh, it'll either like deflect off into the stand or they can't even like get to it because it's so fast. So she's like, Mom, they stopped the game so the coach could come high-five me. I'm like, well, that's a good sign. So I thought you'd get a kick out of that. Right. Even people that don't know a lot about volleyball know that's a good thing. <laughs> yes. Yes, that's a good thing. Um, so, we're, oh, and they changed her. Club team changed her position. As a junior, they moved her from outside to middle because they were having some middle issues. And so she was like, wow, that's weird. I don't know this position. But, you know, I was proud of her, Jim. She just kept a smile on her face and got in there. And um, she, I could see her talking to other middles, like, where do I do that? And how do I do that? And I'm asking questions. And so, yeah, she, by the time she she was done. She looked pretty good. I mean, by the time, you know, the, the whole day was done, she'd really started to catch on. So I was proud of her for not there. You see a lot of sulkers, you know, you played sports. You see a lot of sulkers on the bench, a lot of sulkers. You know, and, and people have to understand being on the bench is a great role. And, uh, you know, and a lot of times uh, coaches will put some of their best players on there. It's not a matter of who gets to start or who doesn't, who, who gets to play. And a lot of the players that are on the bench are people that can come off the bench and be ready to go right into a game and play. And that's a different skill. Some people can't do that. So uh, I, think it's, uh, I think it's great. And, uh, you know, life lessons and, the, the, you know, there's nowhere else you can learn some of the life lessons you learn in sports. Yeah, I I would say, and I know that for you, you know, being a football player and then Olympic weightlifter, that um, I just think it teaches you so much, you know, in terms of teamwork. And I know John Wooden, who I think has the best quotes in like the United States of America from his time as a a coach um, and, you know, all of his winning years coaching um, college basketball and so many of the lessons that he taught that still, you know, resonate today have to do with how you grow as an athlete and the things you learn and the maturity that you get. But I see a lot of kids crying on the sidelines. And uh, my daughter, I have to say, of they, they, that's one thing they always credit her with is that she is the biggest cheerleader. She's very loud. She's very encouraging. And I saw one girl crying and um, my daughter went over. She, they were at other ends of the, you know, they don't sit, by the way, on the bench. They stand on the bench. So they were right. at either opposite ends of the line. And so there's six girls sit, standing and six girls playing and the volleyball. Anyway, she went to the far end and I saw her holding like her arms and staring at her eyes 
Christ, showing her deep breathing methods to try to come out of this um, funk that she was in with crying and kind of having a lot of anxiety because she got pulled, obviously, for mistakes, and that freaks a lot of kids out. But I have to say, of all the kids that get pulled, I think that's the thing I'm most proud of her for, that she does not feel sorry for herself, that she really encourages the other girls. That is a great thing. And, uh, you know, uh, whether you learn how to spike or serve or do all the other things you do in volleyball, you know, 20, 30 years from now, that won't matter in her life. But learning how to be a great teammate and a team player, that will matter. Yes, I agree. And I know you teach a lot about that in your Winner's Wisdom columns. And today we are talking about your column titled Freedom and Boundaries. Oh, that sounds good. What's this all about? Well, a lot of people think freedom is, uh, you know, not having anything to do, and financial freedom is having enough money to where you never have to worry about it again. In reality, freedom is a matter of setting boundaries that you can control yourself, and you can control your life, your time, your finances, and all the things that matter. And when I was a kid, we moved into a new neighborhood of uh, little tiny houses in this new neighborhood. And it was uh, there were no fences, there were no grass or trees, and people were just moving in and starting. And because there were no fences, people kind of stayed away from the boundary, and they wouldn't you know, put their garden in all the way to the boundary, or they, they were careful that they didn't oh, get to the boundary. Interesting. But, but then over the years, they put in fences, and all of a sudden now people felt the freedom. Okay, now I know where the boundary is. I'll oh, use, that's so I'll, true. It's so true. I'll garden. I'll do all this stuff. And the, the, the same thing is true. I know a lot of people, uh, you know, question me, why, if you don't have to, do you work so hard and you you have a list of things for today and a big calendar and a pending list and a project list and all the things you do? Well, I control those lists. Those lists allow me to do what I want to do in this life and use them. And it's not a matter of giving up your will. I mean, uh, one of the most controlling environments you can have is to be in the military. But people take that oath of their own free will and they submit to that and it uh, so in essence it's a freedom they give they give up that to get something they really want so uh you know freedom is not having nothing to do freedom is uh, controlling your life and uh, my great friend steve forbes once said that uh, you know people think they want to do nothing he said doing nothing is the hardest work you'll ever do in your life. Now, it's great for a vacation. It's great for a couple of days or a few weeks to escape. But as a constant way of life, it's like eating cotton candy all day, every day. I mean, (laughs) if you're at the fair and you want to enjoy it once a year, great. But, boy, you get a steady diet of that stuff, and it'll make you crazy. Oh, my gosh. That is crazy. That is crazy. Um, Okay, so... uh, in terms of like you know what you want us to take away, what you want us to learn, obviously that you know um, you know a couple of days of freedom is fine, but living a way of life like that. But I think a lot of people can't pull themselves out of the fun to do what's difficult. Well, you've got to think about what you want out of your life, because every day uh, when you finish your day and you put your head on the pillow, uh, you know you have to look back at what did I accomplish today. And am I one day closer or one day farther from my goal? Because it better be worth whatever you got out of today, because you gave up a whole day of your life to get whatever you had today. 
And there are days where, okay, I need to rest and relax and do those things. That's very, very important. It's important annually to do that, uh, you know, with a little bit of vacation time. It's important uh, periodically to do that with a weekend. It's very important to do that on Sundays and spend time with your family and worship and, you know, just have uh, downtime. But, you know, the rest of the time, you want to run as fast and as far as you can toward the goals, the things that you've determined matter to you. And then when you get there, it's not all these things controlling you. It's you. You're in control. You know, I don't, I'm not controlled by my calendars and all the things I've set up to uh, maximize my time. I set them up. You know, I control them. And that's the most powerful thing you'll ever do, when you can control your time and focus your energy towards something you really want. I love that. You know, a lot of your advice is about um, personal responsibility and kind of pulling yourself up by the bootstraps and uh, kind of taking life by the horns, which... I think I did that, you know, when I was younger, but as I've gotten older, I think I've gotten a lot more complacent. And yes, I give myself credit for raising really great kids. They are wonderful. And I have a, you know, 20 year marriage and, you know, and I'm good to my mom. I'm good to my pets, but I feel like professionally that I've I've become a lot more complacent. And I do place value in what I do, you know, with the good news, but, you know, the drive for financial success and career success. I don't have that like I used to. And a lot of times I'm kind of like not ashamed of myself, disappointed in myself for not being a little more driven. You've been able to keep that drive. and But I think as men, there is a financial pressure on you. You know, I mean, Crystal likes to shop, so there's definitely <laughs> some financial well, pressure. <laughs> you know, it, it's important that you have the goals that matter to you. And, you know, uh, I don't have financial goals anymore. I, I, uh, you know, my money uh, generates more money than I do. All the financial goals we have are giving away more money to our foundation that helps scholarships and the, and the various projects we have around the world. I, you know, it, it's not going to make any difference for me, but that motivates me. You know, one more scholarship, one more thing, you know, that keeps me going. If it was just a matter of me having another house or another car, I don't care. You know, so, uh, you know, it's really about focusing on the things that matter. And, you know, when you talk about the things you are doing, your marriage, your kids, the things you do creating a home, there, there's no higher goal than those things right there. I mean, if you gain the whole world and you lose your soul or you, you make a billion dollars, but, uh, you know, you wreck your kids or your health or something else, you, you have not succeeded in anything. Yeah, I would say, yeah, I would say so. And, you know, and maybe for you know, personally, maybe that'll change for me. You know, once my kids are grown, maybe I'll get that drive again, or maybe not. I mean, there does come a time when people retire and, you know, enjoy kind of the fruits of their labor, per se. Do you think that'll ever be you? Because I don't really see that being you. No, I, you know, as long as I have books I want to write and movies I want to make and things I want to do, and then when I look at the kids at the Stovall Center at the university, you know, that gives me a lot to do that matters to me. And uh, not to say it won't change or evolve or do different things, but uh, no, I, I, I just don't see happy people as being people who've retired. You know, I just turned uh, 65 years old, which oh, is wow. a fascinating experience. But, you know, when I look at, you know, my mentors, uh, my late great father, and, you know, three of my biggest mentors, Paul Harvey, Art Linkletter, and, of course, Coach John Wooden all did some of their best work in their 90s. Really? And, uh, so, you know, and my dad ran a retirement 
center for uh, uh, about 35 years. And, uh, you know, the people around there that were happiest were the people that were still doing things, still active. And, uh, you know, we only need three things to be happy, Angie. You and I have talked about it before. We've got to have something to do, someone to love, and something to look forward to. And a lot of people, uh, wow, they lose a lot of that when they uh, when they slow down because they, they they no longer have something to do and they don't have much to look forward to. And uh, you got to have all three things: something to do, someone to love, and something to look forward to. You know, I think about my friend's dad. And he's passed away, and the mom, and my girlfriend. But um, I, I loved. I'd see them out for dinner like once a week. They went, you know, and they were in their nineties. The parents and she said her dad, when he retired from engineering, that then he started his own business, and it had to do with like building highways or something like that. And they need these studs, so he named his name was Royal. So his business was called Royal Studs. And so Royal Studs, he started, you know, after retirement, and he became even way more successful after his retirement from his regular job to start his own business. And when you say that people become, you know, more, um, uh, do some of their best work in their 90s, I remember talking to his wife, I'm like, so why did he start working again? What was the impetus for that? And she said, oh, well, I told him, I married you for better or worse, but not for lunch every day. She wanted to do her own thing, so he had to go out and start working again. Well, we just lost my great friend, Tony Bennett, and uh, we shared a birthday and stayed in touch for all those years. And, you know, he was coming up on his uh, 97th birthday, I think it was, and um, passed away. But a lot of people don't know. I mean, he slowed down on his... uh, his singing and his performances, but he he became a painter, and some of his paintings have become extremely valuable and uh, very well acclaimed critically. And uh, you, you know he was he was working right up until the end. And uh, you know I think that's what keeps people young and uh, keeps them going. Hmm. I love that. Well, if people want to find you, um, where do they go to find you? Jim Stovall, S-T-O-V-A-L-L, jimstovall.com. And, you know, uh, for a guy, I know you're a guy who reads a book every day. So if you're reading a book every day, you want to continue to grow and learn. So you inspire me. I'll have to think about what my next chapter will be, Jim Stovall. Thank you for that. Thank you. Lyman is listening to the Mighty 670 KLT Denver. It's definitely donation season at ARC Thrift Stores. Now that we are in the new year, people are cleaning out their closets and donating gently used clothing items. ARC Thrift works hard to make sure that they follow the seasonal flow of merchandise that your family needs. That means they need your warm clothing donations to have plenty of cold weather gear available for the cold snaps that are still ahead. Snow pants, snow boots, jackets, and hats are just a few examples of what is needed and what you can find as a shopper at ARC Thrift. And part of the fun of shopping at ARC Thrift is the constantly changing and unique finds at every store. That treasure hunt is one of the reasons why many of our listeners love going frequently. To find those surprises and also get what you need for your family in a budget-friendly place, that is the number one business in Colorado supporting our residents with developmental and intellectual disabilities. Go to arcthrift.com for locations and hours. 
Hey there, friends. Welcome to Good News. Angie Austin and Arlene Pellicane is back. She is an old friend of the program. She is an author and speaker, and we're talking about National Marriage Week. Welcome back, Arlene. It's so good to be with you, Angie. I have missed you. It makes me happy that we are together. Me too. And, uh, you know, you and Mike also had a, a nice kinship, a camaraderie. And yes. I just sent you pictures because he and I finally met for the first time after probably about a decade of friendship and co-hosting a show together, like a four-hour show for, you know, several years. And we finally met at the airport. So I just sent you those pictures. What do you it, think? It is, like, adorable that you guys met face-to-face. And then how funny, like, to do this show for so long and then be like, hey, it's me. Hey, it's you in real life. I just think it's great. And, you know, I guess because we spent so much time together um, speaking, you know, like you and yeah. I do this way, you know, like you and I haven't met in person either, That's which right. we should make that happen too. We should make that happen too. <laughs> We'd be the same way. Yeah, it was, it really was like I'd known him all along. Like, you know how you yeah. feel awkward when you meet someone sometimes or they're not the way you expect them to look, but I yeah. know him so well or knew him so well that when we did meet, it was just like we had seen each other yesterday, although we'd never actually seen each other. It's so much fun. That's awesome. <laughs> I love it. And, you know, similar values like you and I have all those things yeah. that lead to the uh, the friendship over the radio. Um, those The bonds are still there when you actually have a, an in-person, um, you know, meeting. Yeah, it's the same like if you were to meet a listener, you'd be like, oh, I know you, and they'd feel like you know them too. Oh, and it's happened with TV too, where people either hear my voice somewhere or they see me and recognize me, which doesn't happen a lot anymore. I've been off the air TV-wise for like 12 years now, but they'll... they. They act like they know me and that it's happened. Oh, it just happened the other day. I'm friends with basketball team parents. And after I swear we've been friends for three years, they just figured out who I was and we were in the hallway and they kind of like screamed a little. She went, oh, my gosh, I just figured it out. You're Angie Austin. I go, I bet it was because we were pregnant at the same time because a lot of moms who had kids yeah. when I had my kid, like they were pregnant at the same time watching me on TV. And she said to me the next day, she goes, oh, my gosh. So we were sitting at home watching TV That's last funny. night and my husband and I would turn to each other. We went, oh, my gosh, we're friends with Angie Austin. And it was great. funny because we've it. been friends for three years. The whole time. <laughs> it's not new news. <laughs> it's just funny that they finally put it together. And my daughter thought it was hilarious because, you know, she's young enough that she didn't really see me on TV. So she yeah. thought it was hysterical. So all right. Funny. So uh, National Marriage Week, what is this all about, Arlene? Because yeah, oh, you're yeah. 25 years in now, aren't you, into your I sentence? Mean, I mean, your marriage. Right. Yes, it is a lovely sentence, a poetic <laughs> sentence. So, yeah, we celebrated our 25th anniversary a few weeks ago. And National Marriage Week is a celebration of marriage. So it's one, it's a week from February 7th to 14th every single year it was founded in 1996 and what it is is hey let's support marriages let's show that marriage is good for families it's good for children it's good for cultures and let's elevate it let's celebrate it instead of like trashing it you know let's celebrate it so marriageweek.org is a place you can go for all sorts of ideas there's a couple connection plan to kind of help you like if you feel like oh we're kind of in the stale spot in our marriage this couple's connection plan it's a free resource that will kind of help you. And also there's a date night resource where you can find all sorts of creative date nights. And so we are here to celebrate marriage and to say it is a good thing. And it's marriageweek.org. That's right. Marriageweek.org. Okay. Well, let's get some suggestions. You know, yeah. you're, you're 25 years into this lovely marriage yes. and you and I have similarly interesting husbands in terms of they think they run the show, even though we might a little, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. but we definitely let them think that, yeah. 
We definitely let them think they're running a show, but yes, this is definitely a, a team effort. So um, I'm on the website. Uh, t- give me some ideas that you and your your husband might uh, try out for this marriage week. Yes. So it's. I think it's a lovely way. There, there's this saying at National Marriage Week of of connect daily, date weekly, and get away regularly. And I think we can get away from this because we get so busy. But if you just think, hey, I want a daily connection with my spouse, this could be five minutes at the end of the day. We've talked, I think, about that my husband James loves to get a foot rub and I'm I'm um, words of affirmation. So I give him the foot rub and he listens to me. And then that works very lovely. So it's a daily connection. So it might be sitting on the couch after dinner. It might be a meeting for lunch, one, you know, or like, you know, something, something when you are daily connecting and then. Wait, Eight wait. Weeks. So let's stop yeah. there. Um, so you're giving a foot rub, yeah. and, and then you your words of affirmation. So while you rub his feet, he's like, "You are great, Arlene. Yeah, yeah. I enjoy you your company, best. Arlene." You are the best person ever. Actually, part of that is him listening, right? So I'm work, <laughs> so I love talking. So he'll just listen, and then he'll be like, "Thank you so much. You're like, I really appreciated that. You're the best. You're right. You are right. <laughs> you are great, Arlene. You are great, Arlene. You give the best foot rub. You ever, are the best Arlene. foot massager, Arlene. Um, it's funny right. that." He likes to talk because my kid jumped in the car yesterday and I said, oh, and he was talking about the kids and I don't like him to do that when a kid gets in because I have, they're all spies. So if we're talking about one kid, every single word verbatim that we said about the the one, yes, you know, you have three. So I said, "Um, hey, Faith just jumped in the car. So let's talk later. And then she looks at the screen, uh, you know, because my phone was connected, like you guys do in California, connected in the car. She goes, oh, my gosh, you just talked to him for 32 minutes. (laughs) You know, I said, well, you know how dad likes to talk. She's like, oh, please. But see, this is lovely. This is your daily connection. You guys are connecting daily. I love that. It was so funny. And um, when you say date weekly, boy, you know, with three teenagers, that's that's a tough one. Like once a month's even tough. And we'll do like a movie. And then if a kid wants to come along, we'll bring the kid to the movie. But they usually don't want to sit with us anyway. You know, like we kind of go to the movie and, you know, we'll sit somewhere and that they might bring friends and they'll sit someplace else. So it's kind of a pseudo date. Yes. And and you know what? When you're in those years, I think part of that keeping the dating ritual going is that when you're empty nesters, then it's not so odd. Like what in the world are we supposed to do now that we don't have our children to do all these things with? So that regularity. So it might be once a month. They did a survey, you know, asking like, how often do you date? And 48% of people said once or twice a month. But 52% of people said never or just a few times a year. So you're trying to kind of get in that more in between that once and twice a month or, you know, you don't want to be in that never or a few times a year. Because what they found was if they dated regularly once or twice a month, they saw a 15% boost in things like overall happiness, happy with the communication, sexually satisfied, not likely to divorce. All those things got a boost just if they would date once or twice a month. So, of course, date weekly, that's kind of the nice goal. And then what? ends up probably happening is twice a month but if you just say like no goal then it's kind of like yeah we had dinner like six months ago so it is good to have that connection and it could be as simple as like going to fast food by yourselves like it doesn't have to be this crazy elaborate thing but just something that's just the two of you well and um you know we both have thrifty husbands so i know that in some um, relationships uh, costco uh, free sample date night is considered a date like you're shopping and you get free samples 
Yeah, you could go around twice and be like, hey, it's date night. I want another one, please. Go, go around twice. That's hilarious. Oh, I feel so sorry for you. This is your date night. Yeah, take another. <laughs> or you take grab another. two. Right, you grab two and yeah. you're like, I'm, oh, Bill, you want one too? You know, and you just pretend you to, you know, make up. Be like, oh, yeah, there's so, yeah, get one for my kid or whatever. And then your husband gets two. Then you don't even have to make two rounds. Yeah, exactly. More efficient. Hilarious. But you got to be careful, though. I've heard, especially in Cali, there have been a couple like fist fights over free samples. So you got to watch yourself with the yeah. Right. With we're the free... very, we're very nice at our local Costco <laughs> for the most part. I love that. All right, what other things you think have uh, made your um, marriage last and be happy for twenty five yeah. years with the three teenagers? There is this lovely idea from John Gottman, who has researched marriage, and what he talks about is one of the key ways to know, like, is a couple going to make it? Is do they pay attention to each other? Do they pay attention to each other? And I love this because it's so simple. It's not like, oh, I have to do this new thing, you know, for 10 hours a day. It's just, is my, if my spouse speaks, am I just like, whatever? Or am I like, hey, what, you know, what's going on? I want to know. So what he found was some couples, like one couple he observed, the husband was talking about a military coup at this at this country he had just flown from, and the wife was completely disinterested. And in another couple, the man was just talking about how his mother made bread, and the wife was just entranced by this. So it's just this idea of when your spouse says something, what is your posture? Are you even interested in what they're saying? And I think this is something, obviously not every single time we are, but it's a way that James and I through the 25 years is that you do care. Like, and if, if you're forgetting to care, you remind yourself, no, I need to care about this because this is my person, my most important person. And if I don't care about them, who in the world is going to, and, and obviously vice versa. And, and I think a lot of it is going first. We sometimes think, well, he doesn't care about me, so I'm not going to care about him. And that kind of selfishness, right? That's, that's kind of what puts the discontent in a marriage. But if you say, I'll go first, you know, I'm going to care about you, then very likely you married a decent person that's going to be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to reciprocate. You care about me. I'm going to care about you. So don't be afraid to be first. Oh, I love that to be the first one to be, you know, giving, etc. Now, how do you feel about this is one that's a tough one, I think, uh, vacationing alone, because with the kids, they are so fun. And you know, we have limited yes. time with them because ours are about the same age. Yeah. Um, that, you know, how do you handle that? And we and yeah. we have to and I also have to find out, do I know one of your kids is at college now and then the yep. two high school age kids do who has phones? Because I know that 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 your kids, as of like a year ago, no one had phones. Yeah. yeah so it's still my college A student has phones, and my high school senior and my high school sophomore don't have phones. I have we have offered, and they're like, nope, we're good. So it's 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 pretty in there. Um, but in terms of vacation, it's true. If we're going somewhere like amazing, it's like, oh no, no, we must go that with all the children. <laughs> you know, like it's like, oh, we have to do that all together. But if it's like, oh, you know, either someplace my kids have been already. Uh, like right now we're talking about a Las Vegas trip, just the two of us, you know, so it's like, okay, my kids have been there before you and I could just go there. Or we just love the 24 hour getaway that you're just, you know, most of us have a place within one or two hours. That's a nice place to get away. So I think those little one to two hour away one, you know, 24 hour getaways are really nice once a year, maybe twice a year if you can swing it. Because if you are 24 hours away, it's a totally new feeling and it's a good 
feeling to reconnect with your spouse. And like, you know, when you have older kids, like mine's are teens. So now if we go away, they're like, yes, this is awesome. <laughs> One full day without the parent. They love it. Like it's, it's not a, a bad thing for the kids either. And obviously if your kids are smaller, then this is something that maybe you trade off with another family that you do a 24 hour getaway and they watch your kids and vice versa, or maybe grandparents, et cetera. But I think that's a really lovely thing to do. I love that. Um, and, you know, we do the big trips with the kids, too. But one interesting perk of the kids being in club sports is Vegas is one of our trips. And so the kids travel with their teams, so yeah. they don't stay with us. So we kind yeah. of get like we get to watch them during the day and have like that fun day of watching our kid play sports, whatever. And then at night we can go to shows and go out to dinner. And it's yes. completely separate from them because they have to stay with their team. Yeah, it's it's perfect. It's kind of built in. Yeah, built in like vacation. So that's really how we've been able to do that in general. Well, I, I, I love it that your kids aren't, you know, uh, interested in getting a phone and that's of their own choice in high school. And then your college kid, does he just use it kind of to keep in touch with you? He's not he a big has, social he media done guy. Really well with it. He's got an old iPhone, which he kind of did on purpose. So it's not the latest and greatest. It's kind of slow and clunky. And he just wants to use it for whatever apps he needs for school, to text people, to coordinate meeting with people. But he's very very much, you know, he's really into uh, being with his friends. They hang out a lot in real life. They have a rock climbing wall at the gym. He's kind of picked that up. He's doing ultimate Frisbee on their club team. So he's doing a lot. He's he's doing great. So That's I'm wonderful. I'm really pleased. Yeah. So uh, t tell us again where to find National Marriage Week and you yes. and your website. Yeah, marriageweek.org, marriageweek.org, and just get that boost for your own marriage, get ideas for how you can share this in your community, because it's basically trying to give marriage, you know, a second chance. I think a lot of people, young people especially, think like, ah, that might not for me be for me. And it's really time for us to show like, wait a minute, they show statistically, like if you have a college degree, you have a 64% boost of happiness. We all think as young people, that's going to make me so happy. And you can look around and be like, that's not really making people that happy. So 64% boost for college. But if you're happily married, a 545% boost in people's reported happiness. So oh, marriage is something really beautiful to share. So marriageweek.org. And of course, you can find my books, more about me at my name, Arlene Pelican. Com. Excellent. Thanks, Mar Arlene. A real blessing to have you back. Thanks so much, Angie. Thank you for listening to The Good News with Angie Austin on AM670 KLTT. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.